0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
1: This episode is sponsored by TriVegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have Michelle Minch with me today, otherwise known as Banana Blondie on Instagram and her own website. She is a hot mama, a vegan a yoga instructor, and I just loved catching up with her today, learning all about her life, her brand, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my talk with Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. It's so glad to have you on here. I have admired you for years on Instagram as Banana Blondie, and um, I first saw you and I was like, who is this slithery, sexy woman? I just like immediately was drawn to your energy, as I'm sure so many people are. My big question to start off with is, like, have you always been really into movement and so flexible?
0: First of all, aren't you sweet? <laughs> <laughs> You're too sweet. Um, have I always been into movement? I, I guess you could say so. Yeah, I never had a sedentary time in my life. For sure not. Yeah, definitely no. Movement is definitely a, a huge part of my life and it kind of always has been even as a child for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. And then, so how did you find your way into yoga?
0: Well, I started practicing yoga, I don't know, like... A million years ago, 22 years ago now, uh, because I had terrible back pain. I have scoliosis, and that led me to having some pretty debilitating back pain for a couple of years in my like early 20s, very early 20s. And that's what led me to yoga after trying everything else. You know, I had someone say, Have you tried yoga? And I was like, No, sounds super lame and boring. But I got like, um, I went and bought a VHS video of Rodney Yee and like Susan Deeson. And like I brought them home and I was like doing yoga in my living room. And I'm like, this sucks. I hate it. But then my back pain went away. <laughs> so I kind of had to stick with it. And then I, I grew till like I really love it and kind of find my own groove with it and, and whatnot. And then it kind of that's how it happened though, was pain. Pain's a great motivator.
1: It is a great motivator. And I find it so interesting as a physical therapist that you talk about scoliosis because i think people looking at you moving would never in a million years think you have scoliosis and i often get that question you know will yoga help my scoliosis what do i or by teachers that go through my training say what do we like there are there's this a little bit of fear around scoliosis and i'm like you yeah. know bones are not like hard they they they're 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 not like soft tissue but i always think there's nothing that's permanent In my opinion, you can always do something to make it better. Maybe it's not going to be fixed. So what did you find about yoga in particular that really helped it? Was it going into strength, going into flexibility, or was the combination?
0: I, you know, I don't really know how to answer that. My guess would be that it's both because yoga is both. It's like this constant balancing act of like, you know, opening up and like, you know, stabilizing. So I, I would say that it's probably both because before yoga, I have, you know, worked out in a gym and that that didn't help. Uh, so I would say that it's probably the aspect of of doing both. Equally. But yeah, I I get that question a lot from people with uh, scoliosis. They always ask, What's the best pose for scoliosis? And I'm like, Well, there's not really, that's not really how it works. It's not just like one, this pose fixes this ailment, and this pose fixes this ailment. It's like everything is so intricately connected in your body, as you know, as a physical therapist. So tightness in your feet can affect mobility in your neck. So it's just addressing everything kind of as a whole. And that will kind of get you there with any sort of thing that you have going on in your body. I think you can't really focus on that body part that hurts. So you're not going to focus just on the muscles around the spine. If you have scoliosis, it's everything. I love that you
1: say that because even <laughs> as, even physical therapists will tend to compartmentalize and, and locate one area. And yes, I've had so many people say like, if I have the curve on my left side, should I balance out more? And I said, I, no, right. you should really just no. kind of globally work to create yes. more balance. And you will find that, uh, that that will help for sure. Obviously, there's different degrees of curves, but I I sure. love that you are an example of that. So anybody with scoliosis, you have to go check out Michelle's Page, because she, you would again never, never see, never feel like she has any limitations in that regard. So, what was your next stage? Did you become a yoga teacher or did you ever become that? Um,
0: well, pretty soon after I started practicing regularly and then started actually going to classes, I had this like uncontrollable urge to like lengthen people's spines. Like, every time I would see someone, I would just want to do this. <laughs> like, just I know that stretched feeling. them out. <laughs> yeah. And I became kind of like, you know, really enthralled with alignment and just, just knowing how much it changed my life and kind of really saved my life. Not to be dramatic or anything, but really, I was kind of laying on the floor for like multiple days a week. And then I went to being like really active and feeling really good. So when you find something like that, I feel it's kind of like your duty, your calling, whatever you want to say, to share that with people. And I definitely felt that sort of calling that need to share it with people. So I just, it was just a matter of finding like the right teacher training and the right timing. And it all kind of happened from there. I pretty much knew rather quickly, like within a year
1: or so that I wanted to teach. How did your pregnancies affect your scoliosis? I'm just curious.
0: Um, I did pretty well in terms, of, I, I it didn't really, I, I don't think it really affected. I think I, I did have some some sciatica pain with my daughter, my second pregnancy. But other than that, it was pretty good. Like I continued to practice throughout the entire pregnancy and I felt really good in the end of my pregnancies. Whereas I know that a lot of women are like, get it out. I was like, I'm fine. But it was more for me, it was more the beginning where I was, you know, feeling nauseous. That wasn't so fun. But I think I would have to assume that I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable as I was had I not had that
1: regular practice. And how did you balance early on having young children and being a yoga teacher? Well, I stopped.
0: <laughs> I stopped being a yoga teacher yeah. for a little while. I Well, actually, hmm, is that true? I think I actually so I found out that I was pregnant with my first the day before I took my final exam for my teacher training, my first teacher training. I found out the day before and I was like, "Oh wow, okay." And so I took my final exam and I had all my certifications and then I got the morning sickness and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not gonna teach right now. So I didn't actually start teaching until my first was about six months old. And I just taught, I was luckily in a situation where I was with their dad and he was, you know, financially supporting me. So I did teach. But it wasn't as if I had a full load of teaching. you know I taught a few classes a week here and there um, just to kind of get uh, my feet wet in terms of like becoming a teacher.
1: I think that's always important because to to recognize that I have a lot of teachers who go through my training and if they have young kids, you know they look at say where I am now or where you are now, and it's just not the same. you know you have to kind of slowly uh, build up, because being a mom of young kids is probably the most <laughs> physically and emotionally challenging time. I mean, there's a different yeah. challenge when there are teenagers as we both have but sure. in, in those early <laughs> years. For sure. All right. So from yoga, you were first a yogi before you became vegan. Can you tell us a little bit about that transformation? Was it yoga that opened up the lens for the awareness of becoming vegan? I believe so.
0: So when I was doing my teacher training, when I went into the teacher training, I was a full omnivore, ate everything. And then somewhere about midway through my teacher training, it was like a long teacher training. It was like three months long. And I somewhere during that time, I lost my appetite for meat. So I no longer ate any kind of land animals. I think I was still eating fish at the time and a little bit of dairy, but I I was never really a big dairy person. I was never like that cheese, like the obsessed woman. <laughs> I was, That was never me. So I just kind of fell away naturally. And it wasn't as if I was conscious of any ethical issue that I had with it because I didn't have that issue. I wasn't aware of any of the environmental problems that come along with eating animals. And I certainly didn't know about the health aspect of it. I just, I thought that you actually needed that. So that's kind of why I held on to fish for a while. I was like, well, I I should probably eat this, even though it wasn't, wasn't really appealing to me. It just became non-appealing, like all of the animal products. And so I stopped eating them. It wasn't until I saw forks over knives that I started to realize, oh, well, I maybe I, I don't need this. And this started to look into it more. I then dropped the rest of the animal products based on the science that supported the notion that we don't need to be doing this. And then very soon after that, connected to the ethical side of like, well, why am I buying shoes and you know have rugs with wool and you know and then it just kind of went from there so it all happened pretty quickly once that was
1: yeah yeah that's incredible because vegan people do i think they obviously assume veganism is about food but it's about much more it's really about the yeah. idea that we don't want to use animals as any form of product and that that once you start to think of it in that way. It's actually very liberating, I think. I, I think most yeah. a lot of people think, oh gosh, it's I feel like this is some kind of uh philosophical tenet that is going to be very restrictive. And I actually think it's very liberating because then you have you are really choosing, you know, it's not a restrictive thing that, but you're actually making a choice that you don't want to contribute to the suffering um or the imprisonment of animals. What has been the most challenging thing about being vegan i mean you you seem very confident and outspoken with it has have you had challenges with it i
0: think the biggest challenge that i've had with it is the fact that my children are not vegan and while i do maintain a vegan household we don't have animal products in it or anything like that um they do they've always eaten you know other things with their dad or whatever and it, i think in the beginning it was it was hard for me to let go of not being able to control that and just having to let them do their thing. And really just, I mean, it took years of like practice of just that letting go because you can't, control anyone else. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. You, even
0: when they're your children, you cannot like you cannot micromanage what they're eating 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And once I was able to let go of that and accept it, then it got it got a lot easier. But I would say that that's that's the biggest challenge.
1: I would say a lot of people would have that challenge because um people that yeah. have gone through my trainings or have been with me long enough and have been become curious and wanted to become vegan or start to go down the pathway of vegan, that is almost always the roadblock is what about, you know, the family members my husband
0: that doesn't want to, you know, that wants to eat a steak still. And it's like, you you know, and there's so many militant vegans that were like, well, I wouldn't stand for that or I wouldn't allow it. And it's like, well, I think you've probably not been in the situation then you're not going to leave your husband of 20 years.
1: <laughs> no, my mom, <laughs> my mom became to- vegan after being a vegetarian. Yeah. Like we were all vegetarian at a young age and she became vegan after we became vegan but my dad was never vegan and very much you know very southern loved and and the kindest person i always you know so that's the whole thing hey. is like and she always said well i married him first and so wow. she got to the point where she would not prepare the food as much and he would do his you know own preparation but yeah you you i think that's the thing is that you have to be ultimately pretty flexible my kids are vegan but I think the reason it makes it easy is my husband's vegan and yeah. they were vegan since utero so it was I it's I think it's harder when a parent becomes vegan and the kids have already been eating the other stuff I think then it's a little bit more challenging because right. they're also with their friends who are not vegan and it just it becomes much yeah. more than just uh what you're eating it's also like you right. know my my daughter my my son has been very he's very like he he's just like very black and white ethical super justice so for him he would never strike like if like again it just it would never even you know he knows he can right. do whatever he wants my daughter because of just not even peer pressure but just wanting to kind of fit in more Sure. What it would do like pizza or stuff stuff like that. She went through a period probably in around 8th grade. We were just talking about it yesterday. She's now 18 and a half and she's like, "Yeah, when I went through that, I just uh I would eat it and that pizza was probably the only thing that, you know, felt like okay to eat and I I kind of liked it. Um but because we were talking about vegan pizza and how you can tell immediately like cheese like dairy you can just tell immediately even if somebody says it doesn't have dairy there's some taste to it once you get it out of your system and you taste it it just tastes nasty i can't even i can't describe yeah, it it's, it's like it's
0: very obvious
1: yeah it's very <laughs> obvious and you're like i know there's something in here so we were talking yeah. about that but i do for those of you who are out there cuz i know a lot of people that listen have gone through my trainings and stuff. This is a, something to be gentle. And, and like Michelle said, you can only really kind of control your yourself and, and you just right. hope for the best. And, and just, I think- sure. mom, and yeah, yeah. I, The
0: thing I never wanted to do was make food become an issue in our relationship. You don't want to do that, and especially as the kids get older. So while they were younger, they lived with me like a hundred percent of the time. They may maybe went to a movie with dad or like to dinner with dad, you know. So ninety five percent of the time, they're eating whole plant foods at home, and they're eating. But now that they're teenagers, it's just it's more and more they're out on their own they're you know they're driving around with their friends they're going to get food to eat so they're eating less and less but you know when they get to that age you don't want to really draw a line in the sand or make it become an issue or make them feel guilty or bad about what they're doing because it will affect your relationship. And this is their time to be like, I'm, you know, to assert their autonomy and be their own person. And they're probably going to go through a period where they're like, I'm different than my mom. And this is how I'm different. And I think that's just how it goes. And it's, it's really hard. It can be really hard ethically as a vegan for me to just be like, okay, I'm going to let my kid go through that and be their own person. But you really don't have choice. Like this is the way to have the good relationship with your child and maintaining that close relationship, especially through the teenage years and that openness and not having them feel like they have to hide something from you. That for me, that role for me as a mother trumps everything else. Um, I love that. And I think that a lot of people or a lot of vegans that don't have children and hear that might cringe, but that's where
1: i'm at <laughs> there you go and i think it's being um solid with that and i think you know there's there is a space for everybody in their in their way that they express veganism i do think of the course, audacious vegans yes. have a place because they're, make, they're they're pushing they're pushing the needle for sure um yeah. but yeah i think it's it's important to be a have the least amount of judgment as possible because that then that's going to be welcoming and not a barrier So what has been the most amazing thing about being vegan?
0: The most amazing thing about being... I think just honestly, and this sounds like... I feel like this sounds a little like woo-woo, but like just being able to live in alignment with your core values, I think is just a big stress alleviator. And you don't have to... I think you sleep better at night. And I think most people value life over everything else. And I think most people will say, I love animals. And, you know, most people, when they meet an animal, that's like that immediate, oh, you know, and they're so innocent. And just being able to like really live that um, in every aspect of your life is, I think, the best thing. But also like, you know, the health benefits, looking younger (laughs) when you're 44 and still having, you know, still being fit, still feeling good, still being able to move your body, having tons of energy like that is that's pretty important.
1: Yeah, so speak a little bit about to that because I I talk about that as well. I say I know that I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now right. in, in any way if it wasn't all the self-care practices, but that includes definitely right. the nutrition. To me, food is fuel and I'm not rigid about it, but it just feels better when I eat you know plants closer to their uh, to the natural form yeah. and what do you think it is about that that just gives us so much more just the energy and and it's so anti-inflammatory you know i'm 51 and a well, half I think we're yeah. we're
0: just obviously not designed to eat cheetos you know like we're we're designed to eat what's available on the planet in its most natural form and like the closer we stick to that the better we're going to feel it's just like that analogy Where they say if you want to put orange juice in your gasoline tank, your car's not going to run the same as it does if you put the proper, you know, high quality fuel into it. So it's it's the same thing. I mean, obviously, you're just going to feel better. I'm again like you. I'm not rigid about it. I want a chocolate chip cookie. Like believe me, I'm going to have a margarita when I want to have a margarita. Like I'm going to do that. I'm going to have you know that piece of vegan birthday cake or whatever. Like I'm not against doing. I'm not about. About, um, deprivation and and not having those things, um, but by and large, my my diet is whole plant foods, and I feel my best when I'm eating that way. So that's generally how I eat.
1: So I'm gonna ask you a question that I actually find super annoying when people ask me, but I think people will really oh, love right? to hear this. <laughs> I know I think people will love to hear this because you have on your platform all this great information for people to um, eat this way. So can you just talk t- talk us through like like what a day in the life of your eating would be. Again, I, I know that's what oh of those terrible questions. Lots of but-
0: arugula. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. I have this weird arugula addiction where my the arugula I buy from the farmer's market is so good. I buy like four giant bags a week and I eat them all. But so that's what I snack on. I, I snack on a lot of fruits and vegetables, really simple things, nothing exotic. I love my Fuji apples from the farmer's market. Whatever's in season, I get the berries right now. They just came into season So lots of fruits and vegetables. If I'm snacking on something, it's probably not going to be a cracker, you know, but it happens, you know, of course, like certain times of the month you crave a little bit more fat. So I do do that. But for breakfast, I often have a smoothie that includes lots of bananas, at least three or four bananas, some berries, some greens. I might throw some barley grass powder in there. I might throw some cilantro in there some flax seeds, some chia seeds, stuff like that in my smoothie. I also really like oatmeal with bananas and berries and maple syrup and, you know, put some nut butter in there too. I eat a lot of like veggie sandwiches with hummus and sprouts and cucumbers and, you know, avocado, whatever else I got going on in there. And then dinner is usually some sort of like hot cooked vegan meal. A lot of beans and rice kind of bowls, uh, I love uh, the recipes from Caitlin Schumacher. I don't know if you follow from My Bowl on Instagram, but she's probably got my favorite recipes. They're just kind of tried and true and kid friendly too. And um, yeah, so a lot of a lot of that stuff. I love making curries and. That's pretty much it. And chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Yum. I know.
1: I know. Seriously. And Ben and Jerry's, I know that's terrible because there's so much more sugar in there, but we have been experimenting at home because Ben and Jerry's is just like they're daily releasing more of the non-dairy stuff. And it's just Unbelievably good.
0: Like flavor. Have you had that in flavors now? It's crazy. What,
1: what's it called? Netflix and chill. Oh yes. Yeah. So my daughter mentioned that we haven't had that. We got the um. I got we got the Tonight Show one. I forgot what that's called.
0: Oh, I haven't had that one. I haven't seen that one. Yeah,
1: it's like um cookie dough, and I mean it's everything. It's like chocolate Oreos, cookie dough. It's got it all. I mean, it's just. It's crazy. Like I always say, people yeah. should compare the dairy to non-dairy, and I'm. Sh- I think the non-dairy would probably win over. It's just so yummy. Oh yeah, I mean, at least you, you at least wouldn't know the difference. Right. I mean, there's right. no way. Yeah. So on your online banana blondie, can you tell us a little bit about what the program is? Uh, we know we'll talk about the yoga part, but you still do the the vegan. What do you offer on there for that? In terms
0: of like plant-based support. Yes. So I do share my daily food journals six days a week. You'll see you can see everything I eat. I don't include like amounts. I'm not measuring my food. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you the weight of the amount of hummus I ate or anything <laughs> like that, but I do show everything that I eat. If I make a smoothie, I tell you what's in the smoothie. Um, so there's there's that just so that people can get ideas. And I have a question and answer forum, which I check daily. I'm on there every single day. And anytime you have a question, you can just leave it there and I'll discuss it. And then we also have really amazing members from all over the world that will chime in and show you support on your plant-based journey, maybe give you some ideas. And they live all over the world. So we have a lot of people that are like, oh, I can't find Oatly in this country. And what do you like here? And it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's a really nice community.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. I bet people enjoy so much just kind of following your journey and then seeing how they can model in the same way. I mean, I think a lot of people need that guidance, especially if this is newer to them, because we're so accustomed to a plate that has, you know, meat, starch, right. veggie, and it's like you take the meat away and it's, it doesn't look like much is left. And then yeah, when you see- like,
0: "What do I even eat?" Right? Yeah, so when you start so to this, see, show, like, yeah. like what you eat every day and have ideas. And I mean, there's so many resources out there now. Like, I mean, how many vegans have YouTube channels that show everything they eat? There's just tons of tons of places to go to for ideas. But I really like the community on there because it can feel like you're really alone if you're especially if you're going vegan by yourself and you're in a family of people that don't really get it they're like what is this why are you doing this i don't get it or you know so it's it's nice to have that little sense of community
1: oh i love that so let's talk a little bit about the origins of your online well social media banana blondie which you have a really substantial following when did you start your entry into Instagram and, um, was YouTube first or?
0: I think it was, I, I had an Instagram first, but it was just like my own personal Instagram with like pictures of my kids and dogs on it. And then like when the whole yoga on Instagram thing started to happen and people were doing yoga challenges, I started like Participating in yoga challenges. And then there was a particular woman I used to follow, Tamara Levinson. She went by Kuchira on Instagram and she was really kind of coined that whole yoga thing, like the yoga and dance thing. And she really kind of encouraged me to do that sort of, you know, to, to show like my own style. And she really made me feel comfortable because I think I come from a really traditional yoga teacher training background with, we were heavy on Ashtanga and whatnot. And so you kind of feel like, well, is this okay that I'm like putting my own twist on it? Is this allowed, you know? And she was like, "Fuck yeah, it's allowed! Like, do it! Like, be you!" And I was so that really encouraged me to um, sort of develop and, and just share like my own style. And it just really grew organically. I've always um, grown organically, which is it's very hard to do now. Like, my Instagram hasn't grown in years because it is just so heavily flooded with. You know, there's a lot of content out there now. There's a lot of people on Instagram out there now, and I've made the conscious choice to not be an influencer. I have never done a paid post. I have never, you know, sold an, a product or something like that on my on my Instagram account. I don't um, collaborate with companies or give lots of discount codes or anything like that. Uh, I just, um, I and I recognize my my place of privilege and where I still get to make that choice of like, that's not how I want to make an income. I really put my heart and soul into my site and my content there and taking care of my members there. And that's what I love to do. And as long as I can still make that choice to not do that, then that's what I want to do. Um, but I certainly understand, uh, the whole influencer side of it. And I get it. Like it is not easy to make a living as a yoga teacher. And, um, you know, if you're going to give some discount codes for some yoga pants, I mean, everybody all around benefits from that. So I think that's great too. It's just not something that ever sat right with me, or I've never come across a company that I felt like I truly aligned with ethically. And so it's just not something that I've done or really plan to do, but I mean, you never know. But
1: I think that's really important for people to hear because I also think that, like you said, um, Instagram is very saturated, which is great, you know, but it's good for people who are feeling, you know, they have 500 followers. Will it ever grow? It doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it kind of doesn't matter because in a way Instagram has become a little bit of this, like the influencers are, you know, peddling more things, and you can have a completely off Instagram, um, very successful product, and you're just using Instagram as another way of showing sure. people what you're doing. And I, I think that you know, it isn't the same. I, I wasn't there back in the day when I know when people came on and they could grow their following pretty steadily, but it isn't the same there. And so people shouldn't worry about it. Like it's okay. You don't. I think it's more important to like what you're doing, be really true to the community that are paying for your product and yeah. paying attention to them.
0: I agree. Because if you take that influencer route, it is very time consuming. That is a job in and of itself. And I just made the choice that I don't want that to be my job. There's only so many hours in the day. You know, I've got the two teenagers, I've got two dogs, we've got five horses, I've got the house, I've got the business. like. I can't do influencers,
1: <laughs> I know, yeah, <laughs> we're right. just
0: gonna we're just going focus on the the paying members of my site and create really meaningful content for them there, and, you know, spend my time doing yoga challenges with that crew. and it's i I've not regretted that choice.
1: I love that, so speaking of Instagram, one thing I remember early when I first had found your page was that you would you would post occasionally. Some of the really strange and maybe sometimes even hateful comments. And you were it was they were actually funny and you were so lighthearted about it. It was like you were actually yeah. sharing what these people the mean comments yeah. of the day. Yes, I love it. So you don't do that anymore. I'm assuming you probably don't get as many mean comments, but do you think I don't that- get any mean yeah. comments anymore? Yeah. It's really weird. Like I really
0: don't get mean comments. I don't like when when social media was first starting out, like Five plus years ago, there was a lot of weird stuff coming up in your DMs. And there was a lot of mean comments. And there was a lot of that sort of online bullying. And I'm sure it still goes on. But for whatever reason, it has disappeared from my social media. Like I do not receive... (laughs) Well, I think Anything some of it, right. There.
1: And you also, the way you handled it. So I also want to, I want people maybe to realize- People are
0: just terrified.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, shit, she's just going to post, she's going to repost it. But I think
0: it's important yeah, for I'm people- I'm going to get roasted if yeah. I say something mean to Michelle. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that's it, but- I, I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, my page does not invite that sort of thing anymore.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I got such a chuckle up because it was such a great approach, and because I do think, you know, people are so motivated by fear. You know, if they put something out there yeah. and then someone makes a comment, it's like, it just. Slays them, and I'm like, it's a person behind a screen, and you don't even know who they are. Like, don't take it so seriously. You're not going to satisfy. Yeah,
0: I never understood that. Like, oh, I'm so hurt by the meat. I'm like, well, I don't kid not give a shit. Like, right. I don't care. Like, right. I don't know how. Like, if somebody I loved in my personal life said something mean to me, that might hurt. But an internet person, like, yeah. no,
1: no, I, <laughs> who I cares? Yes. Yeah. So everybody take Michelle's approach on that because I do think you might not be getting them, but I think a lot of people are getting. Those kind of trolls or comments or, or just like you know, it's just it, people are so trigger happy. It's so easy to just sit behind. Yeah, well, uh, I
0: mean, I think they they're only going to continue to do that if you care.
1: Yeah, you exactly. know, they're,
0: they're, everyone's looking for a reaction. They're not going to continue to knock on that door if there nobody's answering it.
1: So you moved from Florida to California. What was the choice behind that? Is it just something you had always wanted to be in California? Those are two great places to Well, I to was live. actually
0: in California before Florida. So my kids spent um, quite a few years here. We lived in LA for like seven years and then moved to Florida because their dad wanted to move to Florida. And even though we're not together, we still make sure that we make decisions together that affect the kids and stuff. So we went to Florida and it was pretty cool. I actually really liked a lot of things about Florida, but um, for me and my family, it wasn't a great place to raise the children. We were in Miami beach and, we didn't really kind of jive with the schools there. And um, it was just, the kids grew up really fast there. (laughs) And there's just like, I know that certain things are, are, you know, occur everywhere in every school, but they seemed extra rampant in uh, Miami beach. And so we had spent a summer in Malibu and I thought, well, this is, a really great place. Like it feels, I know a lot of people when they hear the term Malibu, they think of fancy houses on the beach, but that's not really what it's like. So if you could see out my window right now, I can see on one side, my barn where my ponies are, the people across the way have horses. We call it Malabama where I am. Cause it's like, it's like the backwoods. It's very rustic. It's very, all the people around here have lived here for like 50 or 60 years before you know, Malibu was like Malibu. Um, so it's a very different than I think what people perceive it to be. And it seems to it's a small town. Um, it's pretty wholesome, uh, especially compared to a city like Miami. And it just seems like a great place to raise kids. And we've been here for about two and a half years. And I'm very happy with that choice for my children.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. I I've, I love California. I've always thought I would end up out there. So I'll come visit someday. Yeah, the someday.
0: fire part is not so great. Like my house did burn down <laughs> in the Malibu fire. So I'm in the the new house that's been rebuilt. So that's always uh, a legitimate fear. Like during, basically, I was going to say during fire season, but fire season is pretty much all year round now. So we're always getting alerts on our phone that there's a brush fire so many miles away. So it is kind of like a constant stress, the fires, but I don't know, for for now it feels it feels worth it. <laughs>
1: I think so. So tell us, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? What What are your goals? Obviously, you're a mom first. I know that. But your kids like mine are teenagers and growing up. Do you have kind of some goals? It sounds like you're raising miniature ponies, if I've seen right on your page. I, am, I
0: just adopted four <laughs> miniature ponies. And so miniature horses, actually. And so they're living in my backyard and they consume a lot of my time, which I love. Um, I'm always dirty now. I'm always outside, like knee deep in horse poop. Um And I couldn't be happier about it. So I probably will be doing something very similar to what I'm doing now. But in five to 10 years, I won't have children living at home with me. So that will change things quite a bit. I could see myself maybe doing more yoga workshops, maybe hosting some retreats that somehow involve miniature horses and animals. I could see that happening because I've never been able to commit to that sort of thing because I'm, I'm essentially... I have the kids on my own. So committing to stuff like that was never really in the cards for me as long as I have them at home. But I think... stuff like that will open up a bit more as they get out in the world on their own. So yeah, but I don't think I don't see myself doing something insanely different. I really am content. I really like where I live. I really love what I do. I love my community of people on my website. We have such a great time
1: together and I really just want to keep doing that. Mm, Yes. So we're so... Where can people find you if listen listeners they can that want to
0: find it. my website? It's bananablondyoga dot com. And you can find me on Instagram, Banana Yoga.
1: I love it. Uh, well it was such a such a pleasure. I've just admired you and for so long I knew I would be a fast friend of yours. So I will come and visit you. Yeah, I I want to see those miniature horses. Come,
0: come play with some mini horses with me. (laughs) I would
1: love that. Thank you so much for taking the time, Michelle, and everybody, check out Banana Blondie. I'm glad you reached out. Thank you, and as always, to all of you, I'm pulling for you.